Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life. I'm your host, I'm your host Avik, and today we have a very special guest joining us. His name is Aaron, Aaron Trahan, a seasoned executive leader and performance coach who is dedicated to helping individuals unlock their full potential. So Aaron brings him over like 15 years of experience in senior level executive roles both in established corporate environments and early stage startups so his expertise lies in developing and implementing growth strategies overseeing the operations and fostering people and organizational development so but what truly sets aaron apart in his passion for personal development and his mission to guide others on their journey from good to great so as a certified and professionally trained performance coach aaron serves as a personal chief strategy officer for leaders assisting them in implementing systems mental models frameworks and growth programs so he helps them cultivate enhanced habits and routines to operate as a best version of themselves and reach their full potential so like so whether you are someone aspiring to reach new heights in your career or seeking personal growth or simply looking to optimize your performance in any area of life today's episode is packed with valuable insights and practical strategies that can help you become the best version of yourself so stay tuned as we dive deep into aaron's wealth of knowledge and experience exploring the power of personal development and the importance of action and the steps we take to unleash our full potential so without further ado like let's welcome aaron to the show welcome aaron we are thrilled to have you here today Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this is such an important topic. I love what you're doing with the podcast. Uh, very happy to talk uh, on all things personal transformation. Great, great. So, Aaron, like uh, before we uh, get into deep about this topic, so can you share a personal experience or a moment in your life that ignited your passion for helping individuals unleash their full potential? Yeah, yeah, sure can. Would love to. And and really it was along my own personal journey. I I was put into leadership positions at a very early age where while I had some success, 
Um, you know, it, it really allowed me once I kind of elevated my career uh, and had more and more significant people responsibilities. You know, I had to sit back and really look myself in the mirror and say, you know, what got me here is probably not going to get me there. I needed to tap into new levels of growth to figure out how can I be the best leader of other people that I possibly could be? And part of that was acknowledging that I may have been a bit too self-centered early on in my career. With success comes inflating of the ego, feeling overly validated. And I sought out my own help in the form of a performance and strategy coach to help me see some blind spots that have developed along the way. And so the big shift for me was realizing it's not all about me and I need to focus more on the we. And so whenever I made the mindset shift and reprioritized where my energy, effort and attention went, instead of all about elevating myself and shifting that perspective to if I can help support nurture and develop everyone around me to get them versus me prepared for the next level, I would I would be able to rise as a default of that. But it was a major tectonic shift from a mindset and thinking perspective that, you know, it 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 was tough. I had to take in some pretty tough, hard hitting feedback uh, and realize that if I wanted to get to the next level of my career, the next level of my best version, I had to essentially change much of what I was doing from prioritizing me to the we. Um, and that was a big, big moment for me. Had I not made that change, my career most likely would have stalled out at that point in time. Exactly, exactly true. So um, from your experience, like what are some common barriers or ch uh, challenges, I would rather say, uh, that prevent people from reaching their full potential and how do you help them overcome these obstacles yeah that's that's a that's the big question right i think for the for the most part is you know we are so easily um let's just say lured into kind of the comfort zone of the status quo it's so easy for us to look at our external environment and say you know what? This is good enough. Um, I'm doing okay here. Okay feels good. Um, and it's easy to not get stretched and not get challenged and really to find out what we're truly capable of. As a result of that, there's some interesting studies that's out there um, where all sorts of different surveys were asked of high performance, high level professionals. And the question was simply, what percent of your full potential do you feel that you express on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah. In aggregate, on average, people roughly said 30 to 40 percent. So on any given day, all the professionals and some of the biggest companies that we know and love aren't even applying more than 40 percent of their personal potential. And so when you think about why that is, it is because the comfort zone does get pretty comfy, right? We... We think of the comfort and safety in the short term. Um, we don't realize that it's an illusion. Um, and we oftentimes use that comfort zone 
to not feel that we can get stretched and challenged to become the best versions of ourselves. And so what that leads to, to answer the second part of your question, is inaction. And so when we're in that comfort zone, when we're in that status quo, it often leads to inaction because there's nothing pushing us to find out what does it take to live in the growth zone, to take on the risks, take on the initiatives, really help us operate on the edges of our capabilities while it feels uncomfortable, while it feels stressful. It's all, all of that is signs of growth that we're growing um, and people, especially as we progress our careers, we we don't want to take on risk. We there is a fear of failure. We now have a lot of followers. People are looking at us, whatever we have a, a title, whatever it may be. So taking a risk that could lead to failure is almost um, almost this form of like, oh, that's that's a that's a crack in the foundation of my identity instead of realizing that taking that action really stretching ourselves, challenging ourselves, even if we do fail, that's not an indictment on your identity. That's just a valuable learning lesson on the journey towards becoming our most highest potential best version self. So I think it's the combination of them two. Is our environments leading us into a comfort zone and accepting status quo that then results into in action versus action to truly find out what we're capable of. Correct, correct. So can you also explain the uh, concept of growth mindset and its role in self-transformation? So like the idea behind is like, how can an individual cultivate a growth mindset to unlock their potential? Yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's a great one because... You know, I, I I like to use I'll kind of provide a framework here that, that that is more of a mapping tool that I think it could really help the the audience kind of maybe pinpoint where they are kind of in this tool. And as I take a step back throughout my experience, every single room, every single team, every single group, what I've found is the 70 20 10 mindset rule generally applies to every single room. Starting first, the 20%. This is what I refer to as this is the fixed mindset group, right? So 20% in just about any room on any team, they're, they're not going to be there to truly learn, to develop. Maybe they're at the late stages of their career. Maybe they've had a lot of success. They are the, the quote unquote, the smartest people in the room. They would rather give out advice and guidance than learn and take in new information. Um or said differently, this may be the group that's the old dogs who d who don't want to learn any new tricks. Um, so that's the 20%. The 70% is what I refer to as the growth mindset group. So when you think about the belief and the thoughts that with the proper amount of time, energy, and effort, you can enhance your skills, develop new capabilities, increase your intelligence, and use that to overcome obstacles and, and resistance. 70 to 80% of the room is going to raise their hand saying, I identify with a growth mindset. Now, here's the interesting part. When you really look at that 70% and really you know, put a microscope around their habits, their actions, their routines, there's not much action that kind of backs up that belief. 
So while a growth mindset is really important, it's the foundation for having the belief and thoughts are so powerful. And I'm sure we can uh, we can talk about the power of those thoughts here in a second. But if there's no action behind it, the thought just stays the thought. You may think that you can develop, you can enhance, you can um, increase your intelligence, but there is kind of a missing component there. And it kind of comes back to what we've already talked about. That's why I kind of leave the 10 in the 70-20-10 mindset rule as kind of the performance mindset group. They believe all the things that the growth mindset group believes But the big difference here is they have the willingness and the desire to put action behind that belief, to make it real, to really challenge themselves and and operate their days as a continuous improvement experiment, really focusing on getting better 1% every single day, stretching themselves stepping outside of the comfort zone and being in the growth zone. They they value um, being uncomfortable because they know that it leads to growth. That 70% group, the ones who may say all the right things, may post all the right things on social media, they tend to know deep down that they're not operating as the best version or at their full potential because they're not putting in the the actions, the habits, the routine. So I would say it's really a next level that I kind of talk about to a growth mindset, and that's the performance mindset. Are you putting action behind that belief to generate the results that you ultimately want to see uh, to get you to your ideal state? So um, kind of a different uh, different different road we took to kind of get to the answer, but I think it all comes down to understanding what that ideal state looks like, what needs to be true for you to get there, and putting in and installing the habits, the routines, the daily actions that make not big sweeping changes, but it's the small steps every single day, small incremental progress each and every single day consistently to get to that desired state. But it all comes back to, are you taking action to get there or are you not? Are you just posting and and saying the right things or are you doing the things that are required when no one's watching. I think that's the big difference between the growth mindset group and the performance mindset group. True, exactly true, exactly. So taking action is a crucial aspect of personal transformation. So could you share some practical strategies or maybe uh, techniques that individuals can implement uh, to take consistent and purposeful action towards their goals? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it all really starts with mindset. I know that that's a big, uh, big topic of of the episodes uh, on this podcast. So let's let's start there. And I think let's first talk about what truly generates inaction, because if we can tackle what stops or what creates the inaction, it, it opens a lot of things up. And look, we're, we're all humans, right? So when we are taking any new initiative, when we're taking any steps to make progress, we're looking for the guaranteed return. We're looking for the slam dunk. We're looking for the no brainer. So how many times have you heard people talk about, well, when the timing is right or waiting on the perfect opportunity, waiting on 
just the right moment to, for this to really make sense. The little secret that someone needs to tell people who say that is there is no perfect moment. There is no perfect opportunity. There is ne- never going to be someone who shows up at your door, knock, 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 and give you a letter saying now's the right time to take action. So the mindset perspective shift that I want to offer to your audience is really start to value and embrace imperfect action. Because if we train our minds to always look to take action when the when it's the perfect moment, the perfect opportunity, the perfect time, we're going to waste our lives waiting for a moment that's never going to show up. When instead, if we can think about always understanding and appreciating that the first step we always take is always going to be to some degree imperfect. And so when you take imperfect action, you're doing it in such a way to where, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but you're creating momentum. You're taking action. Emotions always reward action. So whether you're scared, whether you're uncertain, whether you're there's anxiety around it, your emotions will always reward you taking that first step. It's amazing what happens to your mindset when you do that. But here's what happens. With imperfect action, you're able to, to at least a small degree, enhance your competency in whatever action you're taking. It's the imperfect action leads to greater competence, which then is going to give you higher confidence. This is what I call, what is commonly referred to as the confidence confidence loop. So once you have that higher confidence, it comes back around. Now you're more willing to take even more imperfect action, increasing your confidence, increasing your confidence even higher, making it more easier to take even more action. So think of this as more of a flywheel. Imperfect action is where it starts. There's no way to gain more competence by than by taking action. So when you could just get more comfortable with imperfect action to gain more confidence, increasing your confidence, everything starts to work from there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the big that's the big part of it. And I think, you know, what's also key there is to always make sure you have strong levels of awareness and clarity. And one way to do that's a simple three two, one exercise that I like to have all of my clients do every single week. And it's just very simple at the end of each week to always make sure you're elevating your awareness and your clarity around the journey. Just ask yourself three simple questions. Number one, what went well for me this week and why? What led to these things going well? Was it a lucky break and there's nothing to really apply there? Or were there significant inputs that led to this success? If you don't know, if you don't have the awareness of that, you won't know what to keep doing. Number two, what could I have done better and how will I do it better next week? This take, tackles the other side of that is what what is blocking me from my full potential or my full capability and what specifically will I change going forward into next week? And then number three, from those first two questions, what did I learn about myself and why is that important? How is that learning from the past week going to help me 
make more progress to get to the best version of myself. So that's just a, a simple, what I refer to as a three, two, one exercise that can just be your end of week reflection. Ask yourself those three questions, make a log of it. And that's just an easy way to always ensure you're able to create a blueprint for yourself on how to get better the very next week. Great. That's a great thing. Three to one. It's awesome. Uh, so how do you help individuals identify their strengths and weaknesses and uh, how does their self-awareness contribute to their journey of self-transformation? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about the big, uh, the big a word, right? So um, you know, I, I like to think about things in terms of systems. I'm a systems kind of thinker. And so as we're building a structure or a bridge that is ultimately going to take us from our current state to our ideal state, um, the first place to start is by understanding what the current state looks like. You simply cannot improve or enhance something that you're not aware of. So awareness is the absolute place that is all about building that strong foundation. And so if we're able to accurately paint the picture of where we currently are, that's going to be that foundational work that helps us understand, A, what are our superpowers? What are, what are those things that we do where we can feel like we are doing these things as the best version of ourselves? Yeah. Are those superpowers being leveraged or are they being underutilized? Um, really understanding is like, if this is the thing that makes me the best version of me, how can I do more of that? How can I do the things that feel like play to me, but feel like work to everybody else? And then two, um, also incorpor incorporated in awareness is what are my development areas? Because if you don't know what those are, you run the risk of not improving. And so to know, like I mentioned, to be able to improve or enhance anything, you must first be aware of it. Once you are able to kind of understand what those development areas are, you then know where to shine the light. Let's consider these blind spots. Um, if you don't know where your blind spots are, they can always serve as a headwind or a low ceiling for your future growth. Um, the single best way that I recommend identifying the blind spots is getting feedback. I think really taking a good, honest assessment of what feedback loops do you have in your life? Who are the thought partners or the insight partners around you that can help you identify these blind spots and make sure you leverage them. So the, the, the people that I know that are the most successful also have the most feedback loops. They're getting a lot of pieces of information and channels of information around things that they could be doing better, around things that they can improve. So don't be scared of constructive criticism. Lean into it. Create more feedback loops. And I think it starts with a simple question. Never be afraid to ask the people whose opinions that you value, how can I improve? How can I get better? And so that could be another great exercise that all of us kind of can lean into is how many people are you asking on a weekly basis? How can I improve and how can I get better? If you're not asking anyone, you're increasing the probability of blind spots happening. You're not aware of things that you may be aware of. 
On the other hand, when you're very active with asking the right people, how can I improve? You may not agree with everything they say, but there's absolutely going to be pieces of wisdom uh, and nuggets that you can use and apply to do just that, to apply them and get better. And so it's a question that's absolutely worth asking as frequently as you can. Correct. That, that's that's going to really help people. Uh, this advice is really awesome, I would say. And um, so many people uh, struggle with their self-doubt and fear for failure. Like we often heard people, sometimes maybe we also do the same. But how do you support individuals in building their confidence and resilience to put or maybe uh, push beyond their comfort zones? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think the fear of failure is is huge. It it takes up a lot of real estate in a lot of our minds because let's face it, nobody likes to fail. Failing does not feel good. It's not a comforting feeling. Um, and I, I think it with so many things in life, it, it is worth examining what is our relationship with failure really going a level deeper. I think it's worth exploring for all of us. What does, what does my fear of failure mean? What exactly am I afraid of? Is it the judgment of my peers? Is it risk of losing a job? Is it whatever it is, just truly understand where, where is that fear maybe coming from? And let's just ask ourselves a question. I think this is a, a very important question. What if we redefined our fear of failure? What if we just redefined what failure even means to us? What would our world look like on an individual basis if we change the definition of failure from not achieving to not trying? What would our world look like if now the fear of failure or how we even define failure is simply not trying the things that we know could lead us to our full potential and to becoming the best version of ourselves. And so I think there's this really powerful mindset shift around how we think of failure. Failure is not an end state. The more that we try to avoid it, the smaller that we're going to play. We can't avoid failure. It is absolutely inevitable. It's, and quite frankly, it, whether we're showing up as our worst self or our best self, life is life. There's going to be some, some form of failure on either side of that equation. But kind of back to what we talked about earlier, it doesn't have to be an identity breaker. It doesn't have to be a judgment on, on who we are. Think of failure as those valuable learning feedbacks along the journey. And so when we can really reposition what our failure, fear of failure is about, change our definition of what failure actually is. And if we're striving to be the best version of ourselves, that definition of failure should be not trying something versus not achieving something. And when we can reposition our mindset and our relationship with failure, I think it it can be a negative shifted to a positive of thinking about failure as that incredible feedback loop that only helps us learn more. And when we can treat it like that, um, the fear of failure tends to maybe not completely go away, 
but it allows us to embrace it on an entirely different level. Exactly. So um, can you share some example or maybe an example of a success story where an individual you have worked with uh, was able to unleash their potential and achieve the remarkable growth? Like any, any success story. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's one that I like to share because I think it's so important. So when we talk about when we talk about our mindset and the quality of life and, um, you know, healthy mind, healthy life. Right. So there's there's these what I kind of call the three important questions around clarity that I like to share. And this is so important to make sure you dial in the healthy mind with the healthy life. The three questions go like this. One, how are you defining success for yourself? What is your definition of success actually look like? Not your external um, expectations, but for you. When you think about your life five, 10, 15 years, what does success look like for you? The second question that goes along with that is, what does happiness look like for you? So once we know what success looks like on one side, we need to generate that clear definition of what does happiness look like for me? And then number three, it leads to how are these two things aligned? Does your definition of success and your definition of happiness Are they in harmony with each other or do they conflict with each other? And so that leads to the example that I wanted to share. I was working with a client, very successful entrepreneur, was in the insurance space. And we were going through this exercise and he really wanted to be the top performer. And the top 2% in the nation was his goal. The reason he wanted that goal was because of all the things that come along with being a high performer the financial freedom, Um, he would be able to build a team that would give him the resources to to put a lot of people underneath him. Um, So as we were kind of dissecting this, we understood what his definition of success looked like. When we started to really unpack what happiness looked like, that's where things got very interesting. He was prioritizing on the happiness side, flexibility, freedom, Um, you know, once he was this at this financial position, it was going to afford him all these things. But then we started really trying to connect those two. And we asked some simple questions of, well, what does what does the top performers lives look like in your industry today? I mean, just to be in the two percent, the top two percent, you've got to be doing the things that the other 98 percent is not willing to do. So as we started thinking about that. The top 2% was working more. They were working on weekends. They had more responsibilities because they had a lot of people underneath them. So when we were creating that healthy mind, healthy life, by looking at those two questions, it was a great example to where his two definitions weren't aligned. Because to be in the top 2%, he was going to have to give up all the things that he was defining as happiness. So we were able to adjust the goals to a completely new um, completely new level and get very specific that allowed him to have the financial success that was going to be fulfilling for him while also maintaining that in, you know, that 
that balance and that sense of freedom and flexibility where he can add enough people, but not to the point to be in the top 2%. So that way he can achieve both at the same time, how he was defining success with how he was defining happiness. And I think that's such an important story. It's because so many professionals don't realize the cost that chasing success on one side, what it what it forces them to sacrifice on the other. The result becomes maybe once they achieve that success definition, they look back with hindsight and say, I had to give up too much to get here. This now feels empty. Winning doesn't feel like I thought it would because I paid such a tremendous price to get here. So this is just a good exercise and hopefully a good example that allows your audience to say, if you aren't aware and have clarity on both of those things, that's the ultimate path to make sure that these things are in harmony to make sure that once you get to where you want to go, it feels like you're expecting it to feel like versus that big, huge, empty black hole of saying, I just gave up the past 10 years for this. My marriage is in shambles. I don't know my kids, whatever the examples are just to achieve this financial success only to realize later on in life that it wasn't worth it. So hope that was a good example that kind of puts, uh, puts that in perspective. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, personal development often involves the establishing new habits and routines. So what are some effective strategies for creating positive habit and making them stick in the long term? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to tackle this in two ways. And I'm I am a firm believer um, that the powerful morning routines is really what sets up a successful day. So the first hour, the first couple hours of your day, when you can hardwire in some solid routines that allows you to then show up for the rest of your day as the best version of you it substantially increases the probability of having good days, which stack together lead to good weeks, which stack together leads to good months, good years, and to a good life. Um, you know, we, we've all gotten on airplanes and heard the messages before from the airline attendants that says, you have to put on your oxygen mask first before you're able to help anyone else. So when we think about our day, especially those in a leadership role where other peoples are depending on them for guidance, for advice, for for leading. Why wouldn't that be true? Why would you want to show up not as the best version of yourself that's not capable of helping everyone else to the best of your ability? So I kind of think of a more a very solid morning routine as the equivalent of you putting on that oxygen mask first to be in the best possible position to not only help you throughout the day, but also to help others throughout the day. Um, so a morning routine that I've kind of got from one of my mentors, uh, Robin Sharma is, you know, kind of the, the, the first hour being kind of your power hour, which combines, you know, exercise, making sure you sweat, making sure it kind of unlocks all the things and really kind of gets the blood flowing. And there's, tons of health benefits that go along with that, but also maintaining, you know, your, your mindset as well. So having some meditation in there, 
reading inspirational content, whether it's a biography or listening to a to a book around um, a, a, a self-improvement, personal improvement, but really kind of shoring up those things in the first hour to hour and a half of your day that really helps you become the best version of yourself for the rest of the day, I think is is super critical. How you start your day is largely dependent on how your day is going to go. Um, since I started implementing, you know, a, a very solid morning routine, it's been transformational. It's been transformational for my mental clarity. It's been transformational for my energy. It's been transformational for uh, my mindset of just staying positive, staying present, staying calm. Um, so I really can't recommend that highly enough because how many times have we seen in a professional setting where, you almost feel like the first meeting of the day, someone's just kind of showing up. Uh, they're a little bit late. They're a little disheveled. They're, they're not all there yet. Um, let's not be that. that. That person is not the best version of themselves in that moment. So treat the first hour, two hours of your day. That's you putting on that oxygen mask. That's you putting yourself in position to be the best version of you for the day that dramatically increases the odds of you tapping into your full potential versus you being on one of those surveys that says, oh, especially on a Monday, I'm only at 30%. The choice is always ours. It's, you know, it's the, the routines, the habits, the actions. We are in control. And what helps that, and this may, this may come as a bit of surprise, it often does in a lot of rooms, because everyone's always looking for motivation, mm -hmm. right? It's like, Staying motivated, got to have the motivation. How do you stay motivated? I take a completely different spin on this. Don't depend on motivation. As a matter of fact, almost treat motivation as a bit of a fraud. And here's what I mean by this. Motivation will tell you up front and to your face that it will not be there for you every single day. It's part time. It only shows up when it wants to. You'll never know when it's going to show up or when it's not. And when you need it the most, chances are motivation is not going to be there. So treat motivation as a bonus. Everybody can show up and do the work and, and inst install the habits when we're all motivated. But motivation fades. What stays is discipline. So don't depend on motivation. Don't even look for motivation. If it shows up, great. But when you set the goals, you understand what habits and routines need to drive that goal, make that deal with yourself and maybe even an accountability partner to stay disciplined because discipline's what's going to be there every single day. Motivation's not. And so when you can stay disciplined, that's going to be for you, even on the days where you feel like doing the habit the least, that's what's going to keep you showing up. So be honest with yourself. Do I have discipline in my habits and routines that will drive me accomplishing the goal that I want? If you depend on motivation, if that's a dependent, at best, you'll be inconsistent because motivation tells you I'm inconsistent. Um, instead, replace motivation with discipline. It was is, is my is my summary of that. Wow. So, like, how do you address the fear of change uh, that often accomplishes uh, self-transformation? Yeah, I, I, you know, 
I think first and foremost, it comes down to commitment. Yeah. Because change is not easy. Change is hard in the beginning. It's messy in the middle. Um, you know, really understand your commitment because if you're not committed to change, that's where you start seeing it show up in the form of maybe New Year's resolutions. Because think about it. You may be motivated, but you're not committed. Because to be committed, you've got to have the discipline every single day, every single week. Um, So I think when you're thinking about change, I would kind of audit your commitment and adjust your expectations accordingly. How committed are you to make this change? Not the reward, not the end result. That's just the blinking sign up on the top of the mountain. How committed are you? to the process to change. If you're highly committed there, I think that's going to be the make or break behind the change that you either fear or you're excited about. So many people, when thinking about change, they're just looking at the end result. The problem with that is that's just the output. There are numerous amounts of inputs that have to go in to get that output. So I think when that fear of change shows up, nobody can change us but us. You can go and watch all the movies. You can watch, read all the motivational quotes, the books, whatever it may be. But the change has to come from inside. And to make that change, truly audit your commitment to that change. And if you're committed to the process that drives change, that's going to be the thing that kills the fear every single time. It will always outweigh the fear. If you're just partially committed and what you really want is the end result and you're not committed to the process, the fear of change is going to win. So you just have to do an honest assessment of where you are on that commitment level. Are you committed? How much are you committed? And are you committed to the process? Those are the steps. And if you can check all those boxes, that's ultimately going to be the equation that beats the fear of change. If that equation's weak and you don't feel too good about it, you don't like the process and you're not all that committed to it, know that you're entering a losing battle when it comes to that fear of change. Wow, that's exactly. So so before we wrap up, like what's some essential mindset shifts or beliefs that individuals need to adopt to truly unleash the potential and embark on the transformative journey? Yeah, yeah. I think you know the 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 message that I would give there is understanding the power of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts have leverage over our results. Here's what I mean by that. Your thoughts ultimately are the foundational driving force of the results that you are going to see in the future. The great thing is we are in full control of whether it's going to be the positive thoughts or the negative thoughts that went out. So here's another simple equation that your audience can think about when you have, and look, there's no way of controlling thoughts. You want, you know, you want thoughts to be able to come in freely, 
But where we are the decision maker is which thoughts get our focus and attention. Because here's what happens. Thoughts that we think over and over again turn into beliefs. Our beliefs is then what drives our emotional state. Our emotions is what then drives our behaviors and our actions. Our behaviors and our actions then dictate our results. So don't think a thought is small as it is. Think of it as a seed that can ultimately grow into a beautiful tree. We have to control our focus and attention on the positive thoughts that lead to the results that we want to generate. And the more focus and the more attention that we give to negative thoughts, think of that chain reaction. Thoughts to beliefs, to emotions, to behaviors, to results. Don't let those negative thoughts or those negative seeds get too much water and sunshine because they will ultimately impact our future results. So it always starts first with the thoughts. Put your focus and attention on the thoughts that will be the leverage that ultimately gets us to where we want to go. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you, Aaron for sharing your profound insights and expertise on unleashing our potential and embarking on a transformative journey of self transformation so it has been an incredibly like enlightening conversation definitely i would say so uh, so as we wrap up today's episode of healthy mind healthy life i hope our listeners have gained valuable tools and strategies to unlock their full potential so uh, this is for you listeners like always remember that personal growth and the self transformation are ongoing journeys that require dedication and action so if you if you if you did like to connect with aaron or learn more about his work as a performance coach be sure to check out the notes i'll, I'll add it there on the relevant links as well so always remember that your potential is limitless and with the right mindset support and determination you can achieve remarkable growth and become the best version of yourself so thank you for tuning to healthy mind and healthy lives if you have enjoyed this episode please leave us a, a review and subscribe to our podcast for more empowering content until next time prioritize your well-being embrace your personal growth and always remember that your journey to trans- self transformation begins with a single step so take that step today and start unleashing your potential thank you thank you so much